When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This week on Barca Talk, Iniesta appears to be on his way out while Xavi begins the journey that might bring him back in. The FCB Camp Scholarship Fund is growing, but it still needs your help. Barcelona continued to break the undefeated record in La Liga with a B squad and lift the Copa del Rey for the fourth consecutive year. So let's talk. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here from Buffalo, New York, and joining me from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. Four years running, baby. Copa del Rey champs. (laughs) Yeah, you did get up, because before we recorded, man, you were lethargic. You know, I'm a performer, Brian. I can get up for these type of things, you know? so You just put a mic on him, and he will come to life like Pinocchio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> correct, correct. This is this is all true, Brian. How are things going, man? Uh, things are going good. You know, it's uh, I had a fun time watching the match last night. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about the Celta match as well. And yeah, so I couldn't be happier with the performance last night. Um, how are things going in the in Buffalo? Oh, and any new weather updates? Oh, yeah, there's always <laughs> weather updates in Buffalo. Well, I think I don't want to jinx it, but I I think that we're done with the the cold and terrible snowy icy. Weather. I think we're finally moving into spring proper and summer to come. Right now, I'm looking out my window. The skies are clear and blue. It's it's not warm outside, but it's it's pleasant. I I don't have to wear three layers of uh, warm clothing to go outside. Well, that's definitely nice. I mean, this week, uh, what's the over under on birds pumping? <laughs> was it? Was it? Was I think it it's four? bird pumping season. <laughs> For sure. And now that it's warmed up a little bit, they're going to be pumping even more. Yeah. Brian, I love that word pump. It's like the greatest word ever. So. And there's nothing like – it's so descriptive of how birds you know, inter- interact at this time of year between their Correct. genders. This is true. Well, we have two news items that we do want to talk about today before we start getting into some other match review-related things. And the first is that uh, I think at this point everybody knows that Iniesta is quote-unquote officially off to China next year, joining Chongqing Dangdai Lifan. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, but uh, my apologies to any Chinese speakers out there. Uh, But this was reported on PPTV, which is the channel with the rights to Chinese football. It's a Chinese channel. Iniesta himself has not announced it yet, but the buzz from La Liga's thank you in several languages tweet and all the other press and media is at least peripherally confirming that he's definitely leaving, though the specifics aren't fully released yet. I mean, we've been talking about this 
off air and we were both, you know, I just don't want him to go. I know. I, 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 especially after last night's performance in the Copa del Rey final, you know, he has moments of brilliance and having him on the bench to bring him in for matches or to spell a midfielder would be huge next year. And as you were talking earlier, you know, we know these players want to continue to play. They want to get every ounce that they can get of playing time. Right. So obviously that's why the lure to go to China where he can help uh, spring that league and get some notoriety for that league and also make some good money. Yeah. And like, he just, I think that if Iniesta were the kind of man who who wanted to do what we wish he would do, which is just stay at Barcelona, stay on the squad and accept that he's not going to play as much, but still act in a leadership role on the training ground, on the bench, and then also come in with his brilliance um, in a more limited role. If he were disposed to do that, if he wanted to do that, I would be so grateful and thankful for that. But on the other hand, I completely understand that he – he just wants to play and play as much as he can. And he's not going to, you can see that Coutinho is the future in that part of the pitch, at least right now, like assuming he doesn't pull a Neymar on us. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's, you know, as we saw in the Roma match when he was climbing, this is kind of the, this has been inevitable for, you know, for the past couple of weeks. And it's for me, I'm really sad because he's definitely one of my favorite players of all time. Um, not only what he's done for Barca, but as the Spain national team as well. And just his passing brilliance, his movement, um, everything he's brought to Barca. Obviously, he's had 31 titles in his career. And obviously, with La Liga this year, it's going to be 32. So just an overall impressive resume for Barca. And if there was a La Liga Hall of Fame, right? If there was a La Liga Hall of Fame, he'd definitely be first ballot, no questions oh, yeah. asked. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of of that, uh, speaking of favorite players, uh, he's definitely one of mine for all time because he was right at his at his absolute prime, right at his apex when I first got into Barcelona. And it was him along with Xavi. And that actually brings us to our next topic, which is that uh, this past week, Xavi spent the week at a coaching course at the Spanish Football Federation, and he was there with some really good company. He was there with Victor Valdez, Xavi Alonso, Marco Senna, Juan Capdevila, all, you know, members of that 20, you know, 2008 to 2012 crew of Spanish national team players. And um, for me, it's great news to see that what what I imagine to be the master plan of bringing Xavi back to Barca one day in the technical area as the manager is, is underway. Yeah. I mean, we saw the photos that they were taking this course. Obviously they have to take the course to become the a coach in the future. Um, you know, everyone is really excited because, you know, obviously Xavi was such a great player and such a, you know, influencer of the Croy system for us and so forth. But, you know, I, I hope, you know, his experience um, being a player and being a captain is definitely going to lend to being a great coach. But again, it's never for sure, right? Um, you know, I have here in the notes, I think uh, Javi Alonso and Marco Senna, I think they definitely have that kind of coaching acumen just because of the way they played and the way they directed players. I'm not sure about Captain Villa because I don't think he had that kind of strong personality. And obviously here I have in my notes, I hope Victor Valdez goes coaching to England so he can perfect his English, right? With, right. The, with his funny video. Shoot, shoot, shoot the ball. <laughs> exactly. Shoot the ball, right? Shoot the ball. You pass me the ball, right? But I mean, it's really cool because 
as you can see that uh, Xavi wants to further his career, um, wants to get into coaching. And I'm really curious to see how it's going to, how it's going to result, you know, because obviously we think he, if he came back to Barca, he would just bring back the four, three, three and just have a hybrid of that. And just, he's going to revise the system and bring back what we all have been. I mean, we just talked to Michael and about how he, as you said, it's been a great year, but stylistically, you know, that's one of the things that we love about Barca. And this year has kind of been the antithesis of that. Yeah. So, and how that's been um, the debate of the year. It's like, yeah, we're getting these great results in the league, uh, you know, and of course, Champions League was uh, a, a nightmare. Um, but we won the Copa del Rey. So we're getting these good results and we have this great defensive record and all this sort of stuff. But we weren't playing the way we with yeah. the kind of balletic beauty that we expect from Barcelona. And that's been the constant debate this year. Yeah, so I'm curious to see what Xavi can bring, you know, what kind of new tweaks he can bring to this type of system, because obviously he's, that's the system he's going to favor because he he played it, you know. Um, and I'm curious also where he starts. Does he start with a Barca B team like, you know, like Pep? Or does he go straight to a senior type team, but a lower tier team? Maybe something like, you know, I don't know, like a, like a Malaga or, you know, like a team like that, you know, where he gets some coaching experience and then moves up uh, following like maybe like Luis Enrique's path where Luis Enrique was at Celta first and then came to Barcelona. So I'm curious to see that as well, because um, that'll definitely tell us, you know, how soon he's going to come and become the coach for Barcelona. Cause I think eventually that's going to happen. Right. And if you look at those different models, I mean, Pep is amazing, right? He has this, this incredible uh, tactical mind, at least, you know, up to a degree, it's not, Im- it's not infallible. Obviously we saw how, you know, Klopp proved that with Liverpool. But at the same time, he was a little green when he got moved up from managing the B team to the first team. And he was with us for a few years and it nearly killed him. Like he was, he was like a shell of a person. I was almost amazed that he actually came back to managing. And it seems like he's, you know, sort of gotten his head on straight and he's been uh, more successful uh, or at least more sane when he was managing Bayern and now managing Man City, he's more mature about it. Um, so, I mean, like throwing someone into that role when they're still fairly new to managing could have great results for the team, but maybe some short-term, at least, negative effects on the manager himself. So I wouldn't want to do that to Xavi. But on the other hand, if that's what he decides he wants to do, then you know he's he's always up for a challenge, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, for me, I would like to see him manage Barca B first and then go that path i think that would be a more i don't know for us to 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 view barca b and see how he can handle that we'll get a better understanding that as opposed to you know going with the celta or something like that so uh you made some good points i'm i'm excited to see what this crop of of new coaches are going to do uh you know marco Senna, man that guy was that guy was good man i remember he had those two years with 2008 on the spanish national team i mean he was the the he, he was a really good midfielder. I mean, he was on the su- yellow submarine team and yeah, he's, he was good, man. I just remember in 2008 when they won the Copa, he was, um, you know, him and Javi Alonso were just so steady in that midfield. So, and again, Victor Valdez, obviously being a captain and a goalkeeper, you, they usually lent to being, uh, you know, managers quite easily just because the way they see the game and the way they can um, interact with players. So uh, really excited to see what happens with this crop. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the Celta match. That This already happened all the way last Tuesday, and so many things have happened since then. But I do want to talk about the match. I mean, overall, 
uh, I thought it was an interesting game to watch for sort of scouting purposes. So uh, we were at the Baleidos. We got a 2-2 draw, which continued the undefeated streak in La Liga. So now we've broken the record, and now we're just setting the new record every time. And that's very exciting. And it was really the full B squad, right? We had we did have Ter Stegen in goal. But then Semedo, Mina, Vermaelen, Dina, Pauli, Gomes, Denis Suarez, Coutinho, Dembele, and Paco. And I only say it's a B squad because these are players who except for Ter Stegen and Pauli, really haven't seen many minutes this year. Obviously, Coutinho and Dembele are uh, on the top of our radar, but they just haven't seen a whole lot of minutes yet this year. Uh, we talked before this match, right? And we and I told you, it's so funny how you know Val Green went 180 yeah. to what, you know, and it's like, uh, we need to rest our players. The whole team is out. Yeah. You know? Like, he just completely revamped the squad. And also, it was funny. I imagine maybe before the match, they just said, okay, this is our starting eleven go earn a job you know yeah <laughs> it's like that's basically what it was it was it just seemed like it was a tryout for next season the who we're actually really going to keep because when you look at this lineup this is you know completely our b squad essentially except ter stegen and um you know <laughs> i just don't like how he just overreacted the other way right he could have just sprinkled some you know maybe half the team but once i saw this the team i was i accepted it and i was ready to see this match um even though it was a little bit boring but um, you know, I, I just just sprinkle more, be, you know, uh, sub players to the season. We don't have to just do one game like this where it's just complete. I mean, because talking about style, right? The, the style of this match was not good. No, no. Well, and, and again, it it was a total 180, and it was, of course, a, a reaction to the result in Rome and uh, an, an an acute correction. Right? It was an extreme correction, yeah. and to try and rest all all the players he could that he knew he wanted to rest for the Copa del Rey final to have everyone up and ready for that. But yeah, the style was so funny. It was, I mean, it, honestly, I would say overall, it wasn't bad from a squad with, you know, a starting 11 with no discernible chemistry, right? Exactly. Sometimes it was like watching they, a pickup game. <laughs> yeah. They've never played together at yeah. all ever, you know, like I, on the same field. So that's, and the first 45 minutes showed that, you know, they were trying to feel each other out bunch of times they miss passes and so forth and once you know once i realized this is the b squad and and they're resting the players for the copa del rey i wanted this squad to just finish out the match you know because that's just what i wanted just like Again, no subs have everyone play exactly. all 90 you know just let them play and just let it you know let loose with it you know because this was a throwaway match you know if we win great if we tie you know there was no risk in this match you know and again, he did the subs again, taking Coutinho off, uh, putting Sergio Roberto, who had a terrible. That turned out play. to be a bad, maybe not a bad decision, but I, uh, I'm we're gonna talk about him. I am very, I love him, but I am mad at him, and I'm disappointed. It's not that I'm mad. Yeah, yeah actually, it's not that I'm mad. I'm disappointed. Yeah, that's worse. But who I was impressed by, actually, was Denny Suarez. And the more he's been playing lately, I don't know where he's been getting these chops, right? Because, you know, normally you expect that a player needs some minutes, right, to get out there, get moving, you know, some consistency in their, you know, the minutes that they're getting to really develop. But somehow I feel like Suarez has just been developing in a laboratory or a basement or something. And then he comes on the pitch and I, every time I'm, I'm very happily surprised with what he's got. He's inventive. He's got good dribbles, really positive play. The way he was linking up with Coutinho in that match was really good. Like at least in the opening, I don't know, 10 to 
10 to 30 minutes. Yeah, definitely. And this, I mean, this is one of my contentions all season is that, you know, Suarez needed more time. And as we've documented in a previous episode, maybe we had to do with the Man City um, pain with, you know, that we had to pay, uh, what was it, every 10 matches? Uh, yeah, every 10 appearances Denny Suarez makes, we have to give Man City 100,000 euro. Yeah, that's crazy. Ridiculous. And, you know, Dennis Suarez could have helped save Iniesta's legs this season. He could have helped save, uh, you know. It would have been uh, worth it for the money we would have gotten from the Champions League. Exactly. That's true. That's a good point, you know. And that's the thing is, you know, there's going to be a drop-off, but there's always a drop-off with any, you know, B type of player. But he's still young. He still has a little bit of potential. And he just needs a little bit more confidence, right, just a little bit more playing time. If he would have played, you know, five more matches this season – in the beginning of the season, he could have helped reduce those minutes on the midfield that we ultimately needed for this this last month. So, as we talked about all season, I just I just wanted Val Green just to use the bench a little bit more. And this is true with any manager, you know, especially since we have so many matches. These guys burn out, and they burn out for us in the last you know four seasons around this time because we just keep the same rotation of of eleven players essentially. Yeah, and you know, like. Talking about this match, I I almost want to just talk about players more than events. Like, Ter Stegen, I thought, was really on fire. And side note, he was the captain of the squad in this match. And not that he wouldn't be a good captain or isn't a good captain, but just when you think about how seniority plays a role into who gets to wear the captain's armband and captain the eleven. right? Ter Stegen hasn't been around that long, and that tells you just sort of what that squad was like. But the saves he was making, I thought, in the 10th minute, for example, he made this great save. And um, actually, in this is going to lead me into talking about Yerimina. Because in the moments just before this play where Ter Stegen had to make this save, I was kind of wondering what all the concern with Yeti is about. Like, why he hasn't been getting played more. And then he lets this cross in and not even making a play for it. And Ter Stegen had to save Maxi Gomez's shot. And luckily he did. And it was a great save. But right then I was like, oh, okay, I guess it's because of little things like that. Maybe it's little things like that why he doesn't have Val Green's confidence. But this, uh, this, this annoys me because, you know, as when I used to play, this, it's, it's all about you get confidence from playing, right? And so the more time you play, obviously, the more confidence. And you don't have to play that much. But when you're playing zero minutes and then you're thrown into this type of fire, you just look worse then you really are. It's just, it's just always going to be. Now there's obviously some special circumstances for other players that can just come off the bench or come from not playing and just play like very easily. You know, uh, I, that tends to happen more, for example, in basketball, right? Players that uh, barely play any minutes and all of a sudden they just come in and they can shoot, you know, shoot three, three pointers in a row or something like this. But in, you know, in football, it's just, you need that time because just getting that confidence with your first touch, relating with your other center back with the keeper, just knowing the space, you know, in practice, you can practice as much as you want, but in the live matches, when you're playing against players who are trying to score goals and stuff, it's a different animal. And so, you know, a lot of people were saying, Oh my God, you're terrible, terrible, this terrible, that, but like towards the end of the match, he, he found his rhythm and he was able to make really good sliding tackles to block shots. And so I think that's something he brings. He's not that bad, you know, for a B squad player, but he needs more time. And the thing is, you just need to give PK a break, you know, and he's still, you mean, is going to be fine. You know, that's why we need him to get that more time so that 
we don't burn out PK as we saw in the Roma match. Right, exactly. And yeah, I would say that Yeti's overall performance was li- mixed, right? It, like there were some moments where he dropped the ball, but then like uh, I made a note about this play in the 29th minute where he came in with an absolutely goal-saving slide in and it was really well done. And, uh, you know, he had really high moments and he had some low moments overall. So I, I think that for me, the jury is out as to whether uh, he has long-term viability as a Barcelona player. I think that we need to see him in action more to really be able to say. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, he's only played this one match basically yeah, all season. He came in as a sub for another time, but this was his his first match where he started and played the whole match. And that's the thing is that he's going to have a preseason, all right? We can we can form him into a quote-unquote Barca player because he's a defender. He doesn't have to do that much as opposed to being a midfielder, whereas a midfielder, there's more that's required of you as a quote-unquote Barca player. So for me, his size is something that is awesome, right? Like it's something you can't teach. And now he just has to understand how to release the ball, pass it to Busquets or that type of role, when to do it, when to not do it. And I think that's more teachable, right? So for me, for the amount of money we paid, I just think just we keep them and we just groom them. But he's got to play more throughout the season. That's just what's going to have, have to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. And now then there was the goal from Dembele. And it wasn't just Dembele in this play. This is the 36th minute. The interception by Coutinho out to Paco. And Paco's first touch, while he was sort of losing his balance, back in for Dembele. And a really cool finish where he, how he came across his body and put it in the opposite corner. I mean, the whole play was beautiful. Again, as... I've been saying all season, I want Paco to play more, you know, give Suarez a break because again, everyone wants to bring Griezmann. Everyone wants to bring these elite, you know, free agents, Harry Kane, whatever, you know, people have their, their players that they want to bring in. But for me, Paco is serviceable, you know, against Celta at Celta uh, against Malaga, like these type of matches to give Suarez a break. He's fine. Just give him more minutes. I know that maybe he isn't as brilliant as Griezmann, for example, but for the amount of money that we have for him, he's fine. Like he, he can play those spot starts. And to me, he had a great match. And that's the thing that just annoys me because I know when he's partnered up with another striker, he just looks so comfortable and he's always dangerous, you know? And again, we cannot win every match. It's just impossible. But the thing is you have to look for these bright spots to give these players more confidence throughout the season so they can help you when you have injuries or when you have tired legs. And Again, Paco hasn't played much in the second half of the season, which we've been clamoring for him to play more, right, just to give Suarez a break. Because as you see, when our team rests and are focused, we kick ass. Yeah. And that's what we did last night in the Copa del Rey. Yeah, absolutely. But then in the 45th minute, just in the last moments of the first half, Celta got the equalizing goal by uh, Johnny or Yanni. And this is where we cue the whistles for Andre Gomes, right? He made a pass that he'd so obviously telegraphed, right? Johnny charged in and took it for the counter and then sent it out wide. Maxi Gomez tracked it down. Gomes was back covering him, and Maxi just bested him, got the cross in, and Johnny put it away. I mean, you know my feelings about this guy. Right. You know, this, no, we know. <laughs> I mean, this it's not guy. a secret. Uh, But the thing was also in this play too, he was also hurt, right? So he got hurt. He got knocked up basically. And so he was uh, reacting slow. He was trying to run it out, essentially his injury. But while he was running it out, this play happened and he was at fault for this goal. Again, 
when when we scout players, especially in the midfield, for me, I would rather have short, shorter players that are really good with their feet as opposed to physical presence of Gomes or Pauly, right? Because that is essentially what our style is. It's just really good passing and movement. And when I think of Andres Gomes, probably number 25 on his CV is accurate passing, right. you know? And movement, right? Well, it was an accurate pass. The only problem was he, he told to everyone in the stadium who he was going to yeah. pass it to and when. <laughs> Exactly. It's like one of those things when, uh, you know, as a quarterback in football, when you look at the receiver and then you throw to the receiver, it's going to be intercepted. And that's exactly what he did. He just kind of showed his whole body language to where he was going to pass, basically pointed to the right. guy and then passed, he and called passed his the shot. ball. <laughs> exactly. And the guy was like, and Johnny was like, appreciate it. And just took it. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, he was actually having a good game overall and he was playing in a position that is more to his strengths and he hasn't had much opportunity to do that, of course, because of Busquets. Um, but like you said, he had just been taken down pretty hard a couple of minutes earlier and he was still limping from from that in this play. So let me set this scenario for you. Imagine in this match that we had Dennis Suarez and Elena playing together. Ooh. You see? And so all of a sudden now you have that combo of players that understand our style, the triangles, the tiki-taka movement, and, and all of a sudden we're, we're dancing around defenders, right? But once you put Pauly and Andres Gomez, they're, they're just stagnant. You know what I'm saying? They're just direct players. And that's fine for other teams, maybe for EPL team, this type of style, that's, that's what they're known for. But again, if you have Dennis Suarez paired with Alenia, and maybe you have Pauly in the Busquets role. All of a sudden, then for me, that's a little bit more exciting. But when you have Andres Gomes, uh, he's you know again passing is not his best attribute. Right, it's it's not his best skill. But uh, so yeah, they they equalize just before the beginning of the second half, and then in the in the second half, Sergi comes in for Gomes in the 60th minute, and Messi came in for for Cooter. What do you, what did you think about those changes? I didn't like it because. I mean, okay, put Sergio Roberto in, put him in, put him in the midfield, though, you know. And well, he came in for Gomes, uh, so he was midfieldy. Oh, that's true. That's true. But on that, you know, for Messi to come in, I mean, I'm always more towards just letting Coutinho play out the match, yeah, you know? or or bringing someone else to come in, you know, for Coutinho. Yeah, although so, I think maybe I he like Valverde was definitely planning on using Coutinho in the Copa del Rey final, so maybe yeah, there there definitely. was a calculation going on there. I mean, who would you who would you want to come in for Coutinho? You know, that's right. the thing. We're kind of out of spots, right? You know, so I guess I, you had no choice. But I would just let Gomes finish the match. Yeah, that's just my. That's just my. I guess thing. the concern was that he was he was probably still not feeling great. Maybe I don't know. He came out for the second half, and I don't know. Or I I don't know what the idea was. I can't I can't get inside Valverde's head. But then yeah. just a few minutes later, something worked. Right, because Paco, or it was credited to Paco, uh, we got a goal to go ahead. And it was really a very nice play, right? Semedo to Dembele, back out for Semedo, and the cross came in, and Pauly and Paco were there. It was credited to Paco, but actually it was, as I as I see the replay, it was really Pauly's goal. Yeah, I agree. But again, it's, you know, these players may not be our dream team, right? Like our dream A squad, right? But they're really solid backup players and once they figured out you know in the 60th minute what they were trying to do you could see the chemistry kind of developing and then all of a sudden we had more attacking options right we were starting to really 
uh, come close to that second goal. And then finally we did score that goal. But again, that's what bothers me a little bit about this, you know, with all the transfer rumors and markets that you cannot just stack your team of Galacticos, right? You just can't like just money wise and chemistry. You just need players that are going to be solid teammates that are going to accept the role as B squad players. And that's what we kind of have right now. Now for me, as we talked about, they just need more playing time, but again, great play on tomato. And again, Polly and Paco, hustling as my mom would be very yeah. proud <laughs> hustling for the ball and they were both there and they were able to get us that two one yeah and then all right here we are i'm shaking my here head we are. i'm shaking my yeah, head me too i'm shaking here my head are. 71st minute sergi pulls down iago aspas he was the last defender he took a red card and i just i don't understand what i don't understand what was either. he thinking I, what what First of all, how good is Iago Aspas, by he's the great. way? I mean, this guy, he's great, right? I mean, he single-handedly carries that Celta team. I mean, he he gave everything in this match that to the point that he cramped at the end of the match. And they had no more subs. And so he had to finish out the match. But that guy is super impressive, especially at home. It's just kind of uh, his, his domain, essentially. But th- again, Brian, this play reminded me of the Roma match so much because – all Sergi had to do was just run with him and at him. And as I said on Twitter, if they score in that moment, who right. cares? So what? Who cares? Like they tie the match, but we still have 11 guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with 20 minutes and, left in the game. Oh my God. I just don't understand. Like there's no, and he was still far enough that he wasn't just going to score so easily. You know, all Sergio had to do was just put pressure on him. And we were, we had the support coming and Ter Stegen was coming out as well. So to me, I just, I, and again, if he scores good on him, great play, they, they broke the press and they were able to do that, but there's no, there's, there's no reason why he has to pull him down, especially in this the grand scheme of this match, La Liga, all these different things. Who the F cares? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I was, I was so upset about this play because oh, me too. this reminded me of the Roma match is that, you know, a bunch of times against Roma, all we had to do was just put the pressure on their back, essentially. And if they did score, okay, great. That's a great play on them. But we don't have to pull down these players all the time. And, oh, my God, I was so infuriated because all of a sudden now we're man down. And now we have to really uh, put so much energy in this match just to try to escape with anything. I know. And, look, you know what? You and everyone listening should know that Sergi is my boy. I love Sergi. He's my favorite up-and-comer, you know, newer Masia player, but he really let me down here. I am personally disappointed that he did that. And of course, he's suspended for one game, so he's going to miss the next match against Deportivo, which you know isn't all in all a terrible thing. But still, just the decision in that moment made absolutely, absolutely no sense, and it was uh, very disappointing. Now, of course, then after that, seventy seventh minute, Vidal comes in for Dembele, and of course, Valgreen is trying to take a more defensive posture after Sergi's exit. But it's just not enough, right? Because they're down a man, and now they're hunkering in defense, which is not really where we shine defensively. So, And we've got a lineup without much chemistry. And then, so 82nd minute, Samedo dropped it on this play, really, allowing himself to get beat by Emre Moore and put the cross in without any pressure. Yerimina lost Iago Aspas, or Aspas lost him. It was one of those sort of like uh, button hook kind of runs. And he got free to put it away and 
What's even worse is Aspas didn't even get his foot on it. Terstegen got to it first to punch it, but it hit Aspas and he 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 guided it into goal with a motion of the arm. And I think if you were to ask 10 referees whether that was ball handling, assuming that they had VAR or the right view of things, I think a majority would have called that one back for for ball handling. Definitely. But again, this goes back to, you know, the whole what's the point of this match? Right. Why do we care to go defensive? I mean, just for the record. okay. to me, I think I mean, who cares if we want to go defensive, just go five back, Sure. you know, go five, five people back and really try to preserve the win, you know. But again, going four back and putting Vidal in and having this happen, you know, again, this match was towards the end was a little bit infuriating, especially what your boy did to the team you know it just screwed up everything essentially and just for what there was no there was no game no game yeah yeah. but there was a nice moment in the 89th minute where Ter Stegen and Dina together saved that draw Aspas gave a great through ball for for Boye's really cutting run I mean it was a very surprising and inventive play and because it caught just about everybody out but my man Ter Stegen came out and Dina was there in support to keep the result at a draw. Yeah. Again, Ter Stegen, you know, just having a, you know, hall of fame year this year. It's his best year for sure. And again, he saved us as long as well as Dina. And for me, you know, I was just a little frustrated with this match because if you're going to go all B, go all B. Right. And, you know, with Sergi's uh, play that wrist, you know, us a man down there's just no no excuse for that yeah. so but we were able to we were able to salvage the points and keep the the unbeaten run alive so yeah and stay at the top of the league uh, with a roughly well the the lead i guess is dwindling a little bit because we we got one point instead of three but still salvage the points and this match did make me think i feel like i i finally saw ter Stegen for the first time you know like i really really understood him and, <laughs> you know, I, I want to start calling him Cat Stegan because he's like a cat with his reflexes. And uh, do you remember that singer, Cat Stevens? I yeah, do. I right? do. He was like big in the 70s and uh, had music in like uh, Harold and Maude and all that sort of stuff. Really great songwriter. So I, I want to start. I want to nickname Ter Stegan Cat Stegan in honor right. of that. Add it to, the, add it to our wiki yeah. page, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the Barca talk lexicon. <laughs> Correct. All right. Well, let's let's put that one to bed. But at least we got something out of it. We got a good nickname for Ter Stegen. Now, uh, I do want to let you all know about FCB Femini and Barca B. We recapped in our extra video last week how Barca B lost to Huesca and fell further down the table into the relegation zone. And, of course, by the time you hear this, their match with Rayo will be over and we will recap that match on our extra video this week, which will be on our Patreon page around Thursday afternoon. We've uh, rescheduled when we're doing that. So look for that Thursday afternoon. And if you want to check that out, where we'll also uh, get you up to speed with FCB Femini and La Liga Roundup, become a supporter of the show for $3 a month at barsatalk.net slash support. Speaking of Femini, they are up against Sevilla Sunday evening, and so we're recording this Sunday morning. We don't know what's going on with that, so that will be the other feature on that extra video this Thursday, only on Patreon. Now, Gabriel, we have some news. We have a little bit of news about the FCB Camp Scholarship Fund, our fundraising campaign to send a young footballer to FCB Camp in Houston this summer. 
And for those of you listening, if you haven't already donated, go to barsatalk.net and there's a link to the GoFundMe campaign right on the front page of the website. Actually, you know, I noticed, Gabriel, that uh, I've put some of my own actual money into this fund and and, and you have not. Is that is, – is everything OK? Uh, it's basically out of spite. I hate children. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, like I'm putting my own my own skin in this. Yes, yes, uh, Brian. I get paid once a month, so. <laughs> and you don't know just when just exactly. <laughs> exactly. So just waiting, waiting for that check to come to the mail, Brian, and then it's going to go money in, money out. <laughs> That's yeah. all right. Well, I'll be keeping an eye on the campaign for uh, for your donation. But here's the news: Victor Valencheck, VP of the Houston Pena, he's been doing a lot of legwork in the Houston area, reaching out to the youth soccer community in Houston to find good candidates to receive this sponsorship. And he has a contact, Emil, who is a teacher and soccer coach at a local school who is going to introduce Victor to two kids this week who are both great candidates. And here's the kicker. They're siblings. And now that's all I can tell you about them right now. But remember, our initial goal was to raise $500, which is the cost of tuition for one player to go to the camp. And we're going to keep that goal as it is. If we can raise that, I guess it's going to have to come down to the flip of a coin as to which of these two siblings goes to the camp. But unofficially, I'd say at this point, we have to raise $1,000 now to send both of them, honestly. Or we can have a Hunger Games situation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that could be pretty entertaining. Yeah, I mean. See, that's where we could um, make some real money if we could televise that. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, definitely, we should try to raise that one thousand to send them both. Um, I think it'll be an amazing experience for both of those siblings to enjoy. Yeah, and we're going to be able to tell you some more about them uh, probably next week. You know, Victor is in touch with the the family, the parents, and Emil, his contact, and uh, we're going to get sort of permissions and uh, be able to tell you some more about their background and their story. But it's it's a very exciting project and. Uh, we did get some some more donations this past week. We're at $90, which is just shy of 20% of our goal of 500 The thing to keep in mind is that the, the camp itself is already a good bit over 50% full. So get those donations in now before all the spots get filled, right? So to do that, go to barsatalk.net, find the link to the GoFundMe campaign. It's right on the front page. And contribute uh, $5, $10, whatever you feel comfortable with. It will go to a good cause to sending at least one of these two siblings to a week-long FCB camp where they will, as I like to say, get to learn the beautiful game from the greatest club in the world. And finally, if you have a question or a topic you want to hear us get into on the show, please drop us a line at barsatalk.net or leave a message on the phone line 716-795-2853. Now joining us today for the community segment is Michael Miller, president of the Montreal Peña. We've had him on the show before, and we're happy to have him back. So welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you very much for having me, uh, Brian. Hello, Gabriel. Bonjour, Montreal. Hey, Michael. Now, uh, we have a couple of things that we wanted to uh, touch base with you about. Recently, you took a trip to California, did a tour of the uh, California Peñas from north to south, if I'm not mistaken. So how did that go? What was that like? (laughs) That's correct. We've been been in contact all together, uh, all presidents and executives from all the North American Peñas. And my girlfriend and I have been meaning to visit California together for a long time. So I thought, why not just take the opportunity to visit our friends from California? So we landed in San Francisco. And on our first night, we drove down to Santa Clara. 
uh, at Levi Stadium to watch the Mexico versus uh, Iceland game. And we had the opportunity to meet the wonderful people from uh, the from FCB Fresno. Yeah. Vicente Chavez. Yeah, and, he was uh, telling me that uh, you were going to be doing that when I was talking with Vicente. <laughs> exactly. So we had the opportunity to watch the game together. And obviously, we hung out afterwards. We got to know, I got to know a lot of his members, uh, a lot of people that I've been only interacting with on Facebook and on different social media platforms. And uh it was great to have some FaceTime with them and to get a feel of the of their own uh, energy and their own passion. And uh, I was very happy to, to to see that that passion, that that Blaugrana culture exists wherever you go, be it in Montreal or California or anywhere else in the world. So it was fun to actually be a part of that with them. Did you hook up with the San Francisco Pena people at all? I did. I did. I did. Uh, I spent a good four days in San Francisco. During that time, I was able to to spend time with Matt Menson uh, and Joe Dixon, president and vice president of the Peña Barcelonista de San Francisco. They're the best. And uh, we were. <laughs> well, they're not the best. They're great. I don't. I'm not trying to make uh, rankings of Peña people, but yeah, uh, Matt Manson and Joe Dixon were both very, very gracious to me when I was when I was in San Francisco last, and uh, we watched the Classico at four in the morning. They show they show my girlfriend and I a great time. They they really treated us like family over there, and uh, they showed us some spots that you don't hear about on TripAdvisor. Really? Oh yeah, I'm sure they <laughs> know some were, spots. <laughs> yeah, they do. I could tell you between time that 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 we spent with the Fresno people and the San Francisco people uh, up in that region, I could tell you that whatever friendship that existed between us, that bond is even is even closer now, and we're even more uh, optimistic as far as what's to come and the projects that are coming for all North American our American Peñas. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in in just a second, actually. So um... yeah. Yeah, we were doing a little pre-talk before we brought you on the show, and uh, I didn't even realize that you had this this big project coming up. Or it's not really a project, but a big event coming up. Uh, we're going to talk yeah. about that in just a second, but I want to let you finish yeah. you know, telling us about your trip. Yeah, exactly. So like I said, we started out in Santa Clara. We drove to San Francisco, spent a few days there with the, the boys from San Francisco. Uh, after that, we left San Francisco, drove through Yosemite National Park. Ooh, nice. And- <laughs> And we ended up in Fresno. And in Fresno... <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> in Fresno, we, were, we, we had a wonderful dinner with Vicente Chavez and his sister. Very nice young lady. Very, very smart and very motivated, just like her, just like her big brother. Yeah. And we had a chance to sit down and bond and connect and, you know, like share, share ideas and share, share best practices on each of our peñas you know, give each other advice. It's definitely something that we do a lot, Vicente and I, but to have a chance to do it face-to-face brought it to, to, to a whole different dimension. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gabriel and I do this show um, sort of by satellite, right? He's in Madrid, I'm in Buffalo, and we've never been in the same room. And I, I wait, I yearn for the day that we can actually both be recording this in the same room because I think it would it would add a whole new dimension to things. Exactly. So after we after we left Fresno the next morning, we we drove through Monterey uh, down Highway One, and we saw Big Sur. Oh wow! Uh, which is you've never seen anything which, like it, right? Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely breathtaking. Just the just the fact that you're at the edge of the cliff and 
and there is the ocean right in front of you and you're driving like right by the ocean and and you're trying you know, not to gotta, fall into the ocean <laughs> it's treacherous <Exactly>. man <laughs> <laughs> so you know we we did that and we stopped several times on the way just to take some wonderful pictures and really take in the scenery over there and you know when you hear about california obviously you hear a lot about san francisco and los angeles but everything that that happens in between is just as great and just as worth seeing and we we were we were very lucky to actually make that drive and see what california nature was all about california nature is as much as its people the people in california were extremely warm to us extremely uh, generous to us, and uh, we definitely want to come back to California. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah, because you also you made it all the way down to L.A. and then San Diego, right? Exactly, exactly. All the way down to Los Angeles. We were able to see the Sevilla versus Barcelona game when Messi pretty much saved us. Oh, he absolutely saved of, us. <laughs> in the matter of a minute. And I met uh, during that, uh, that, that game Eric Vidal, Robert Hutchman, Jose Morataya, as well as uh, a visiting member of the New York Peña, Tom Mudgett, and the founder of uh, the Peña of San Francisco, Robert Manson. Yo, cool. So yeah. We kind of had, had like four Peñas on location all together, and the Los Angeles Peña was very well represented. I think there were maybe 40, 50 people for, for, for an 11 a.m. kickoff. Nice. If I remember correctly. The atmosphere over there was great. The drums were beating every <laughs> every single every single time the play would stop, and uh, you know we were singing songs together, and just the camaraderie and the atmosphere that that I saw over there, you know, despite the distance, despite the challenges, you know, being in the U.S. and the, the U.S. not really being a, a a soccer country, to see that passion that far away from Barcelona motivated me it motivated me even more to achieve more with my not only with my Peña but you know with my colleagues working together and really trying to 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 get this as far as we can and i think you're just getting started really <laughs> yes we are yes we are and i can count on very motivated people uh and very experienced people and very talented and uh skilled and passionate people around me and I'm very, very happy and very proud to call these people my friends. Yeah, absolutely, and we're we're glad to be connected with them as well. After after spending a few days uh, in Los Angeles, we drove down to San Diego and we met uh, Ruben Aguilera and his uh, charming wife Nadia, and he showed us around and he showed us the nice spots in the city of San Diego. They have a lot of them. <laughs> yes, San Diego oh, is pretty much one. entirely nice spots. <laughs> <laughs> But it's really, it's really an entertainment city and a diverse city. It's a city where you could actually enjoy yourself and have fun, uh, but you can also relax and uh, you know just go to the beach and uh, and chill. It has a really nice, nice kind of vibe, and uh, not a spot that is well, very well known to us here in Canada. I mean, we hear mostly about San Francisco and Los Angeles, but I'm very happy to to have driven down all the way down to San Diego. And Ruben showed us his spot where they have the games over there, even though it wasn't on game day. And it was an absolutely charming spot. It's called uh, 
Costa Costa Brava, the very charming Spanish restaurant, and they're very soccer friendly. So, cool. If you guys ever go to San Diego, make sure to visit him. They're gonna really show you a good time over there. <laughs> I'll be sure to do that. I don't know when I'm gonna be in California next, but yeah, I'll try and make a make a point to do that. Uh, yeah, San Diego. Man. I don't know how anyone gets anything done in San Diego, right? <laughs> it's just so nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, and and like I said, the people are nice as well, and there is a lot to see. We stayed there for only two days, but I'm pretty sure that we could have done uh, an entire week over there and we, we would have been able to stay busy for the entire week. Sure, sure. Great. So now what is this event coming up? Well, the Classico is coming up. Oh, what's May that? 6th. What's, is, that <laughs> is that important? The, Clas- <laughs> <laughs> the Classico is coming up on May 6th, uh, 2.45 p.m. Eastern Time. And for the occasion... Uh, La Liga and Be In Sports USA will be on location in Montreal at McLean's Pub, 1210 Peel Street. And uh, they're going to send a camera crew and we're going to be part of a big simulcast with other North American penas. So if you tune in and you watch the game on Be In Sports, you're going to be able to see my group as well as other groups in North America supporting the best club in the world. Absolutely. That is so exciting. And I, I really feel like BN has has figured this out. They're, they're doing such a great job of connecting with all the Peñas and giving you shout-outs during games. You know, like when there's a, a, a bit of a lull in the game, you always hear Ray Hudson giving, giving shout-outs to the Peñas in the U.S. because they know they're broadcasting in the U.S. and they're really trying to connect to that market, but not in this mass market kind of way. They're really focusing on specific penas and people and that's really cool that they're sending out an actual camera crew to document and be there with you and not just you but of several groups all over north america exactly and we're looking at it as far as the nationwide audience go but between you and i it's something that's really going to help me locally as well because it my goal as the president of my pena is to bring all of the barca supporters in montreal together under one roof and if being sports is under that one roof, chances are people are going to come and they're going to want to watch the game with us. And hopefully they're going to like us enough to to want to be part of our group. Yeah, you know, and I love that goal. It's a noble goal. And we have a similar one here. We want to try and bring all the Barcelona fans who speak or want to listen to English under one roof. And it's a podcast roof, so it can go all around the world. And that's our goal is to get all of those Barcelona fans under this roof. That's beautiful, man. I'm so excited for that. So yeah, um, McLean's pub. One, two, one, zero Peel street. That's where the, that's where you guys always meet. And so that's where you're going to be for the Classico and be in sports. will be there with a the camera crew as well. So come out, show your colors and uh, be on TV. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. And they're going to, they're going to be surprise guests. And prizes to win Ooh. members who show up. Cool. Surprise <laughs> guests. Ooh. Um, can, can you maybe off air? Maybe you can give me a little. Of course. I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Now. So how did you feel about what was your reaction to the Copa del Rey final? Uh, personally, I, I chose to analyze this whole week as a big uh, as a big item together and the way I see it, Tuesday's game should have been the game against Leganes, and yesterday's game should have been the game against Roma. Yeah, I think we all agree that that's the case. We're, we were 10 days too late in the way that we that we approached uh, the Champions League. And sure, yesterday was an amazing performance. We played the game that we should have always played 
which is, you know, a creative free game where where really skill was more a focus than pragmatism. And that's the Barcelona way. Play beautiful football to win and not play pragmatic football in order not to lose. Right. And the second that we learned that lesson, uh, I think that from all on, from now on, it's going to be smooth sailing till the end of the season. But yesterday was a beautiful game. Everybody played amazing. You know, not to criticize the the manager too much, but he should give his players more freedom. They're skillful enough to do it. We have enough depth to play that way. So why not just stick to our values? Yeah, absolutely. I think we agree, and uh, that's actually going to lead us right into our own full full review of the match. So we're going to shift over to that. But thank you so much, Michael, for coming on the show. Love to hear everything that's going on with the Pena and the North American Penas as a whole. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure, Brian. All right, thanks. And now, the, the, the headlining moment of the episode. Let's talk about Copa del Rey. This was, I mean, this was beautiful for me. A 5 nothing win over Sevilla at the Wanda on Saturday, the 21st. We were looking to win our fourth consecutive Copa del Rey title. And you know what's funny is I wasn't nervous at all until the squads were lining up in the tunnel. And suddenly when they were, I remembered all the goals we'd allowed all season. The loss to Espanyol earlier in the tournament. The draw with Sevilla just a couple weeks earlier that was only saved by Messi. And of course, the loss to Roma. Then I got nervous. I was not nervous. Um, I, especially with the lineup that we rolled out and the rest that they got this week, I was feeling pretty confident and, you know, from the get go, I think I was proven right. Just the way they just looked like they had a, a spring in their step and they just looked really focused right from the onset. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Once they started playing, I felt fine, but just in those moments leading up to the actual kickoff, Suddenly, I did get a little nervous. Now, also, prior to kickoff, the Catalan fans were not swayed by any threats of fines or the authoritarian rhetoric of Javier Tebas. They whistled through the Spanish national anthem. Now, on your broadcast, did it sound loud? No. Or how did it sound? It they mixed it so that the you could clearly hear the, the anthem and the whistle sounded like they were out there, but they weren't too bad. So on the broadcast here, because it was on the public Spanish television, it was pretty loud. I mean, I, I remember in the in the bar that I was watching, and I couldn't tell if the noise was coming from inside the bar or it was coming from the from the stadium. So that's how loud it was uh, from from my point of view. And also, when I was watching the sports show today, uh, obviously it's from a Madrid point of view. They they said that it wasn't as loud as they anticipated. Hmm. So again, um, and also before the match, the police were on strict control to confiscate anything that had uh, pro-Catalonia uh, political messages, either shirts or banners and all this stuff. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So they 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 made people take off their um, – like I, they had video of people with um, shirts and stuff like that. They had to take them off if they wanted to come to the stadium. So, um, oh, Okay, yeah, so, so they, only it if, was a if you're going into the stadium like as a security yeah, yeah, yeah. measure. Oh, no, no. I didn't mean outside. Yeah. If you're going into the stadium, you had – it was being confiscated. Right. They, and they also had – you know, they had uh, the police walking around the stadium taking pictures of anyone that was uh, super uh, – political there and stuff so it was kind of a weird situation going on so uh that's why i do like about the news uh the sports show because they have a lot of behind the scenes video footage that you wouldn't normally see on a highlight show for example so um again as we've talked about before you know tebas and the board of the copa del rey they were trying to limit this um and so depends on who you where you get your news from right 
you know, you, it's a positive spin for each either side. Right. Well, okay, let's talk about the game itself, right? We had a solid lineup. Sillison in goal, Sergi, Untiti, PK Alba, Busquets, Rakitic, Iniesta, Coutinho, Messi, Suarez. I mean, it's Sillison's tournament, so of course he would be in goal. We knew he, I knew he would be in goal going in. Of course, you're not going to you're going to switch out your Copa del Rey keeper. Like Sillison knows that the Copa del Rey is his job, right? So, aside from that though, it was top 11. So I have, a, I have, I was thinking about this because, you know, we have Sillison as his, his, uh, you know, Copa del Rey's his, his role, right? What if we used more B squad as like the same type of thing? Right. Would you be opposed to that? You know, maybe like next year, let's say going forward, you say like, let's say with our team, you say, okay, Paco, you're always going to play the Copa del Rey. Um, Yuri Mina, you're always going to play the Copa del Rey. It doesn't matter if it's the final, you're, this is your tournament kind of the same thing as we do with the goalkeepers what would you think about i mean that? i think that would be i think there that could be a really positive move and for as far as the overall squad and you might have to actually sacrifice winning the copa del rey but of course and i think that's okay right because that's like real madrid doesn't care about the copa del rey anymore all, all they really care about is the champions league and I, I think that it is not an insignificant tournament right i think a lot of people ultimately say like well, who really cares about the copa del rey i do I care about it as a fan, um, but I, on the other hand, would be willing to sacrifice that trophy. Like we don't have to win it every year if it creates an opportunity for players to feel like they have a responsibility, they have a role, and they know what to prepare for. I think that that's not a bad idea. So I think, for example, like if we took our B squad, you know, the, the squad that we had against Celta, imagine – from the beginning of the season, they have been playing together in the Copa del Rey run. Then all of a sudden, when they have to be called upon during La Liga or Champions League, they've already had more seasoned minutes. And so obviously, they're just going to be more confident. And, you know, you give these players that role, that responsibility, I think they'll be able to step up. And if they lose, they lose. But at least you you go with the squad, right? You ride or die with right. them, you know, and you don't have to do this. And I, I think it would be really cool, you know, and then obviously we can sprinkle in Barca B players as well, right? So that, you know, you use the Copa del Rey as the B squad tournament and our Barca B players solely, and we just use it as the focus. And obviously, yeah, we're not going to possibly win every Copa del Rey, but at the same time, we're using that to develop our own team and players for Champions League and La Liga, which ultimately I think are more important. I don't think Copa del Rey is just a throwaway. I think that's a it's a great add-on. Um, but I think we, if we use that model going forward, it will really benefit us in the Champions League run and in La Liga when La Liga is tighter. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, and you have a you have a good point there. It's a, I think it's a great idea. And again, it, it, it gives them that responsibility, and it gives them that consistency of having played with each other all year, and they know – what they're contributing to the club because it's not insignificant how it would help the 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 whole squad overall so basically i want to run for the board president yeah clearly <laughs> i wonder how that would go <laughs> but now talking about the game itself you know honestly just so many moments and i guess the main thing to really talk about is the goals right i mean 14th minute suarez scores the first goal and you just got to chalk up a key pass for Sillison. And the cool head on Coutinho. I mean, I don't know what Sevilla's back line were thinking, leaving all that space in behind them and not tracking the ball from Sillison. But the placement also on this pass, this 60-yard pass from Sillison, was great because it was a little out wide, so it didn't go straight to Soria, the goalkeeper for Sevilla. 
I don't want to say this is the, one of the best long balls I've ever seen, but it's one of the best long balls I've <laughs> ever seen. The way, the way it, again, like you said, it was a 60-yard bomb, perfectly with the right amount of pace, trajectory to get Coutinho the advantage. And the keeper was caught in no man's land, right? He didn't know if he wanted to come out or not. And by that, we had the advantage. And obviously Coutinho's brilliant pop-up pass to Suarez was just another piece of brilliance because normal humans <laughs> would have just would have just passed it, right? And would have got blocked. But that's just a, a nice little Brazilian pop-up play. Man, that that long ball. I watched so many replays on it. It's just a thing of beauty. The way it flies, and obviously watching Sillison celebrate as well, you could just tell that he had a lot of pride for that pass. But again, I think Sevilla was trying to do what Roma did to us. However, they just don't have the squad, and they just weren't disciplined enough to do that. And obviously, you know, this is when I look at this goal, Brian. How many times did I tell you about the spacing when we're in this four-four-two thing, right? Coutinho playing on that right gave us so much space in this match that the defense had to respect it. Now imagine it. Now obviously Coutinho couldn't play in the Champions League. Imagine if we had Dembele in that right. role. All of a sudden we have that outlet to give that space. Then all of a sudden we're just they can't keep pressing us high because we're just going to keep you know giving on the back end. So again, Brian, this was finally a good adjustment having Coutinho on the right side, Iniesta on the left. And that pass was just absolutely brilliant by Silas. Yeah, and I mean, you know, of course, he's our number two keeper, but he's the first keeper for the uh, Holland national team. And uh, I think they, they're they in pretty good hands. Of course, we, we've we mentioned how their, their team is so young and they're in kind of a development stage, so we're not expecting a whole lot from them in the World Cup, and um, I don't really care. But, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not supporting... Holland, right in the World Cup, yeah. but anyway, um, I would support Sillison, right? I would, I would pull for him, but yeah, it was unexpected a little bit, mainly because you know we haven't seen him play a whole lot this year. We don't know him the way that we know Terstegen and what he's capable of. But yeah, that long ball, I, it really made a statement for Sillison. You know, not not necessarily to play more for us, but to just let us know that that he's for real. I was going to say just, you know, from these first 10 minutes of the match, right, you can just see the focus, the freshness that we had. I mean, look, did you see Rakitic and Busquets, the way they were flowing with each other, the passing we had, Alba bombing up the left, right? I mean, we had shots on goal and three shots on goal, I think, in the first 10 minutes. You know, we were on them right away. And to me, that's what just infuriates me because we could have just carbon copied this game plan to the Roma match. And it's, that's what just infuriates me. Yeah. More. It's just I mean, like Michael was saying, this, you know, exactly. We could have had this exact team, except maybe uh, switch Coutinho with Dembele and rested our players for the Leganes match. And we would have been fine and we would have advanced and we would have really pressed. And that's the thing is Valverde has to trust our team that we are good enough to be disciplined on defense when we're called upon it, but also just to let them play and be free flowing and we can dominate games like this. Yeah. And, and clearly, and, but also like you said, I mean, when I was watching it here on uh, ESPN with the, the ESPN commentators, they would not let the Roma game go. They kept bringing it up over and over again. And I get it. But at the same time, like you said, that Roma squad and this Sevilla squad are not the same. All right, now I do want to make a little side note because there's going to be a narrative here. There's going to be a little story, kind of an arc, that runs all the way through 
more or less to the end of the game, right? So in the 28th minute, Iniesta had a shot. It was a great shot, but it came off the woodwork. And it, again, it was in this moment where I started to really feel like, yeah, this is this is it. This is Iniesta's last Copa del Rey match, uh, at least for Barcelona, probably ever uh, as a player. And I was so sad when when it came off the woodwork. But that's going to come back later. Just just stick a pin in that. But then, just a few minutes later, Messi gets the goal off a back heel from Alba. And in that moment, I realized, oh, love never dies. Because the Alba-Messi bromance was rekindled a lot this year, earlier on. And, like, lately, we haven't been seeing seeing it too much. But there it was again, right? Love never dies. I mean, again, this is all about the chemistry between Iniesta, Alba, and Messi. And Messi being the playmaker, free-floating role that he can cover the middle. And also having Coutinho on the right side to keep the defense separated and spaced out. Again, uh, really unlucky for Navas on this play because he went in for the slide tackle. The ball popped over him, essentially. And Alba just quickly thinking and knowing that Messi was going to be crashing through the middle. Had a, a, I mean, a back flick pass that was just so impressive. And Messi just hammered it home. Again, just... This whole play, which is absolutely brilliant, is just how long they've been playing with each other. They just know the movements. I mean, you watch the play, how Alba darts in, then cuts back out. They've been doing that since 2010, especially. It reminds me of the Italy match final, uh, Spain, where Xavi just laid it up for Alba on that super brilliant pass where Alba just bombed the play, you know? And it's just like they just know – uh, Alba's speed is so so impressive sometimes. And as a defender, I just don't understand how you don't – just mark him better because you know he's always going to that byline essentially. But again, awesome. As soon as they scored that goal, I pretty much knew it was game set Guillermo for sure. Yeah, already because Sevilla had nothing on. I mean, so not only have we scored two goals, we're already up two goals, but we're 30 minutes in and Sevilla have nothing going on. Exactly. And and I also noted, you know, for me, this is obviously the best match we played all season. Not only defensively, attacking-wise, stylistically wise we looked closer to what we assume as a Barca style but for me also technically the way they were able to pass in this game and stop the ball with their first touch I think just because of how fresh we were and focused in this match I think technically this was our best match of the season as well and it was just all put together on display you know Uh, you saw Suarez in this match how fresh he looked I mean he was unstoppable for the first half. I mean, he was making runs. He was physical. They had to foul him. And when he's playing like that and you have the spacing, you just can't stop us. We're a runaway freight Yeah, train. and so then in, in the 40th minute, because of that, he got his second goal. And also thanks to this incredible pass where Messi threaded it in between three defenders for Suarez while he had Coutinho open out wide, right? But that's another reason why Messi is so great, right? Kind of like you were saying, you know, a normal human being would just put it out wide for Coutinho, who's totally open. But Messi instead decides to thread it between three defenders for Suarez. I mean, this ball, I mean, the finish was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Suarez's first touch and the way he slotted at the top of the box, amazing. I mean, that's what's going to get the cred. But for me, when I watch this play, the pass that Messi gives him is just spectacular. It bounces. So it's it kind of throws off the speed a little bit, but... Again, it goes back to this 
quote unquote four four two system that we've been playing, as you just noted, Coutinho's on the right. So that opens the gap for Suarez to get that pass right through because Suarez did a give and go. Oh my god, this just infuriates me because it's just like we could have had this in the Roma match, just either Dembele or Vidal on the right side, just a dive bomb and no. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, uh it was just a great play from from start to finish. And uh also, um, you know, God, this 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 turn that Suarez did to it's just it was just a great goal and everyone at the bar was just yelling just because it was so impressive but again Messi's ball was just unreal yeah unreal and then moving forward in the second half here it was so I want to bring that pin out and 52nd minute goal for Iniesta on this beautiful one two with Messi and a really tricky kind of a tricky touch to get past. Soria for the goal and I've watched it a few times and I'm not totally sure that I believe this but is it me or did Messi have a good opportunity there to score also maybe even a better one but but he but he gave it to Iniesta I don't know if it was that clear I mean I he saw Messi or he saw Iniesta coming through and no one was covering him so he just took that play but that passage, again, it just goes back to, you know, when you play with someone for so long, you just know where they're going to be and how they're going to run just through practice, through the games, through all these things. And that's it was just so simple. You know, it just when you look at the play, of course, Iniesta is going to run through. I mean, that's just the, the move that he does. And and Messi already sees it ahead of time and lays a perfect ball. And like you said, uh, like I have here in my notes. Iniesta had a tricky move, you know, like in hockey, it's a deke, right? Where you just take it to the side a little bit. And, and Iniesta still had a a tricky finish and he was able to finish. And it was just, I mean, everyone was just going crazy in the bar because obviously Iniesta's last match, the way he was playing in this match and obviously the celebration. I mean, the celebration was awesome that everyone came up and, and you could just see that, you know, it's going to be a special night for him and it's a special moment for him too. Yeah. And I mean, and not just for the goal, but the way he played throughout the whole match and, and you're going to, you're going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this. Um, but yeah, just like his performance in the whole match was incredible. And yeah, I think maybe I was telling some stories in my own head. Like I was trying to create this, this story where like Messi had a good opportunity, but he actually gave it to Iniesta and like deferred to him. But I think you're right. Actually, it was honestly, it was the better play and it was almost the, the more natural play because of their, their chemistry and how long they've been playing together and what, how they know each other and, and all that sort of thing. But in any case, in the 69th minute, uh, they gave a penalty for ball handling uh, Sevilla. I forget which player it was, you know, handled the ball in the box. Coutinho put it away to make it five, nothing. And this is the biggest margin of victory since in a Copa del Rey final since 1980. And that was when Real Madrid beat their own B team, the Castilla uh, back when that was allowed. That's crazy. But it was cool that Coutinho <laughs> got the goal, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because for me, you can see the 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 future is super bright with Coutinho, right? Like he played on the left, he could play on the right. And I think that's a really amazing flexibility to have as a midfielder, you know? In this match, I mean, he looked so comfortable playing that right side and just bombing that right side. I mean, he's so dangerous with his passing, his speed, his skill. And it was awesome that they let him score that goal. So basically everyone scored that you would want to score in this match. And um, I was watching the sports show today and – 
you know, for me, I, I think Sevilla, obviously, after the 2-0, sometimes you're just overmatched in a game like that. And you should have seen they were heading back to Sevilla and they got yelled. They were getting yelled at by their own fans, throwing eggs at them and stuff like that. It's pretty crazy. Oh, um, basically, basically, they're just assuming that Sevilla just gave up. And I don't really see that. I just think that, you know, in this match, we just, like I said, we were a runaway freight train. We just, we look so fresh, so focused. And, you know, our talent just is much better than theirs. And on a neutral site like this, they just they didn't have a chance from the first 10 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And the the moment that actually highlights both Iniesta and Messi's greatness was actually the trophy ceremony. When Messi told Iniesta to go up alone, to lift the trophy when the, of course the tradition is for both the first and second captains to do it together. And I, I think it was a beautiful moment. I was reading about it in various, uh, you know, websites this morning. Uh, when I was watching at the bar, because I didn't see the message uh, gesture that, so I was a little confused about why he was going by himself. But then when he did, I realized what had happened and it was really awesome. Cause you know, Iniesta has meant so much to the club uh, brought so many titles, joy to football fans, and for him to have this moment, you know, it's a great way to show how important he has been to FC Barcelona. Yeah, and I actually, I have a stat for you. Do you know how many goals Iniesta has scored this entire season, the 17-18 season? One. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> One. Uh, in all competitions, he's scored two. One in La Liga and one in Copa del Rey. And not, not that he is necessarily or has ever been a, a big goal scorer, right? He's been a, an attacking midfielder. He's been more of a playmaker, a setup man. He's for, If you want to judge Iniesta as a midfielder, you know, you want to look for assists generally, right? He's not he's never been a, a big goal scorer. But again, I just think that I loved that he got that goal in that game. And I get. I get emotional actually the more I think about it. So I don't want to talk about it for too much longer, but uh he's he's just been um he's just been such a big part of what made me a Barcelona fan and he's so great, just brilliant, talented, skilled, inventive. I mean, like he's he's fully appreciated in the footballing world, but he doesn't have the I don't know, the celebrity that yeah. that other people have but uh, honestly he's he's on he's right up there on a par with Messi definitely i mean i just think about when i'm watching these matches you know ever since i have been um you know i would say ronaldinho uh, rivaldo the first ronaldo messi they have these moments where you ooh and ah right and for me obviously because of the way they score those goals more than anything but for me knowing how hard it is to be a midfielder when met when Iniesta does these plays where he does these little moves or these passes, I'm, I think I own on more with him just because I'm so in awe of his talent, his, the way he sees the match and so forth, because, you know, since I played, I just, I know I can't do that. And it's just awe inspiring. It's so elite, you know? And so I'm going to really miss watching him, with these passing movements, the way he was able to lead the team, and obviously just the class that he always had. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, too. Just the class on that guy. Uh, never took a dive. Well, I don't know. I don't know about never. But <laughs> barely ever took a dive. Uh, and he did get a little uh, agitated with the referee in that match and uh, 
took a yellow for it, I believe, actually. Uh, I was a little surprised by that. I don't know what was going on there, but but still, uh, overall, I mean, he's just such such a an amazing and inspiring and awe inspiring player, and also classy, humble, and he just wants to play. I I mean, I we're sort of pre tributing him, right? There are still La Liga matches to play. He will still play. We're going to see him in a Barcelona jersey at least a few more times this year, uh, and we will make a, a proper tribute when uh, when the time comes but I guess I'm sort of pre-tributing him uh he just he made I mean I started watching Barcelona in 2010 right so he's made the last eight years of my life that much more enjoyable yeah definitely and you know he's just one of those once in a lifetime players that came through La Masia too so that's even the stronger connection that we all love about him as well so um, you know, for me, I always have these moments, you know, obviously the Chelsea match, the Spain World Cup final, and, you know, just the, just the class that he always has, and obviously the talent, and it's, it's awesome. I mean, I just hope he plays every match going uh, to the end of the season. Barca Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson, and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit barsatalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at barsatalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.